morning. It's good to be with y'all. Very, very glad you're here. Uh, if this is your first time with us, my name is Garrison, and I am the, uh, the pastor here at Veritas Dayton, and uh, we're so incredibly glad that you're here with us. Uh, if you would, uh, take a moment. There's a, a Connect card, something called a Connect card attached to the bulletin that you received when you walked in this morning. Uh, so take a look at that. That's a good way for us to, to, get, some know, uh, to get to know some information about you and, and uh, how we can get you connected with what God is doing here in our church family. So if you want to fill that out and give it to a leader or drop it in this bucket up here in the black box on the welcome table out in the lobby. Uh, and also there's a little space for prayer requests on there. Uh, if, if you would, we, we'd love to be able to pray for you this week. If you just want to jot a few things down uh, there that we can be praying for, um, we, we'd love to be able to do that, kind of a joy to be able to do that this week. Uh, if you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6, we're going to be looking at verses 9 to 13, continuing and then finishing up, actually, uh, our series on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, there's white paperback Bibles on the benches. Uh, you can grab one of those and you can turn to page 473, and Matthew 6 will be there, and you can just look down for verses 9 to 13. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, take that one home. That's our gift to you. We'd love for you to take that home and make it your own. So this is the last Sunday that we'll be in our sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, uh, and, and we're simply wanting to ask the question, uh, how is a Christian supposed to pray? How are Christians supposed to pray? What do we say? What do we ask for? Why do we ask for these things? And we've been trying to answer those sorts of questions as we've been walking through this series. Uh, we started with the address, Our Father in Heaven, and then we went through six petitions in the Lord's Prayer, six requests that we're taught to, to ask, uh, to bring to our Father here in the prayer that Jesus taught us in Matthew 6, 9 to 13. And then this morning, we're looking at the sixth and final petition in the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to dig in to Matthew 6, 9 to 13. If you'd like to stand with me for the reading of God's holy and precious word. And let's listen with reverence and joy, for this is the voice of our Lord. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, what a wonderful and weighty responsibility to have your word before us. I, I tremble at the thought of um, saying anything that's not in accordance with your word. Lord, and so would you keep me true to your word this morning? Would you keep us reverent and joyful as we hear and receive the word? Would you help me to uh, apply it uh, to the consciences of, of all those present? Lord, would you tear down and build up and, and pluck up and plant and convict and comfort with the truth of your word now? Would you help us to be a people who flee and resist the devil and submit to you 
Would you help us to be a people that flee temptation but, but submit to you and to your glorious standard set forth in your word? And would you, when we fail, would you drive us to Jesus and, and trust and repentance and cause us to rest in his grace and love? Lord, we need you. We can do nothing apart from you. You let the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our Lord, our rock, our redeemer. We need you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. All right, so last Sunday morning, we uh, spent our morning together looking at the fifth petition of the Lord's prayer, which is forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And this Sunday, we're looking at the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, which is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, now, these two petitions that, that we covered last week and now this week uh, are, are what the Christian believes to be our greatest personal needs from God. And they're needs that he alone can, can provide for and remedy. And, and so the first is our forgiveness, the, the pardon from the guilt of sin. The first request asks for the removal of the guilt and eternal consequences of sin. It's asking for God to pardon us, to pardon us. And, 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 and last week, Justin took us through how, how any and all sin is ultimately and primarily against our creator God and how we need his forgiveness if we are indeed going to be reconciled to him and to one another. We need to be made right with our creator and king, and, and he has provided for us. He's provided that forgiveness for us, the forgiveness of sins through the justification that is in Christ Jesus. And it was a wonderful time looking at that particular petition. Now this week, we're looking at the petition where we ask God not just to remove the guilt of our sin, but also to remove the power that it has over us and its presence in our lives. We're asking for, for our God and, deliver, and Deliverer to rescue us, not just from the consequences of our sin, but also to rescue us from sin's grip on our lives. And one of the things that's so scandalously prevalent in the lives of many so-called Christians today is that we want the forgiveness without the deliverance. We, we, we want the pardon of sin without also having the, the power for victory over sin. We want the eternal consequences of our sin to be removed while also living under sin's grasp. We want to be forgiven of our lust and consumerism and racism and unrighteous anger and hatred and all the rest of it, but while also living comfortably in those very sins. We, we want the forgiveness of sin without warring and battling and fighting against sin. We want to be forgiven, but we don't want to put our sin to death. But that's not consistent with the life that Jesus calls us to. He teaches us to pray and ask God, not just for pardon from sin, but also power to overcome sin and evil in our lives. Although the pardon happens in an instant, and the, and the, the victory, the loosing of sin's grasp in our lives takes a process, but that just makes it all the more important for us to pray as Jesus taught us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And there's good news for us this morning, who live under the power and weight of sin, this is a prayer God loves to answer. Because, because the, the one who teaches us to ask for deliverance from evil here is also the one that God sent to deliver us from evil. Jesus is the one that God has sent to take care of the removal of the guilt of sin and also the one that gives us power to progressively overcome sin in our lives. And he comforts us with the promise that one day it will be defeated fully and, and completely and finally. 
Therefore, we must look to him and depend upon him for our deliverance, our salvation from the power of sin and evil. And that's what we want to unpack this morning. The big idea of what, we, what we'll be looking at is that because of the danger of temptation, Jesus teaches us to run to God for our deliverance and to depend on him in prayer. Because of the danger of temptation, Jesus teaches us to run to God for our deliverance and to depend on him in prayer. And so we'll unpack that in three stages. First, our danger. Second, our deliverance. And third, our dependence. Our danger, our deliverance, our dependence. Firstly, our danger. When we read a petition like this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And you see words like temptation and and evil, you get the sense that Jesus is implying that we're at risk or in in some sort of danger. uh, That the Christian life is is a hazardous life. And that we should therefore be on guard. J.I. Packer said that this petition could be summarized in this way. Life is a spiritual minefield. Amid such dangers, we dare not trust ourselves. Father, keep us safe. Now I know that in the distractions and comforts and routines of, of modern life, we aren't as likely to think of ourselves as being in danger. We're distracted with entertainment like social media and, and Netflix and movies and shopping and all that. We're, we're comfortable. We have heating and air and indoor plumbing and, and, and food readily available. We're, we're comfortable. We're, we're fairly safe there. Uh, we're, we're busy with our routines and work and school and recreation and family time and, and all of that. We're distracted. We're comfortable. We're, we're busy. And so when Jesus tells us that we're in danger because of temptation and evil, and our spiritual stupor and blindness, we kind of just shrug it off and, and change the channel. But the way that Jesus teaches us to pray here implies that we're truly in danger. And in this petition, he uses a word that, that lets us in a little on the nature of that danger. Namely, he uses the word temptation. We're to ask our Father, lead us not into temptation. Now, to understand what we're to ask for here, we need to dig in a little to the word temptation. In the scriptures, the word temptation is used in, in a few different ways, and, and sometimes it's kind of hard to figure out uh, just what is meant by the word temptation because different authors use it, use it in slightly different ways, and there are multiple words in the original languages that translate into the word temptation. And, and generally speaking, though, we see the temptation used in a couple of different ways. First, we see the word temptation used very narrowly, very narrowly. When it's used narrowly, it's being used to describe what we would call the enticement to sin. The enticement to sin. This is, this is what we face when we're lured in by the schemes of the evil one or when our own sinful human nature lures us into situations where sin is inevitable or, or when the corrupt systems and structures of the world draw us into corruption. And it's important to note that, that God, although while he allows this to happen, and allows us to face these sort of temptations, he's also not actively putting them in our path. Listen to James 1, 13 to 14. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And so these sorts of enticements to sin are not God trying to get us to sin. God never wants us to do evil. But that also doesn't mean that these sorts of of temptations are outside of God's control. He's sovereign over all circumstances and situations. So while he doesn't uh, give us these, while he doesn't cause these sort of temptations to occur, he does allow them to happen. But then we also see the word temptation used very broadly. And when it's used very broadly, 
It's being used to talk about where we might, what we might call a test or a trial in life. We see temptation like this in Scripture often, like in the book of Genesis. We see Abraham, he was called by God to offer Isaac up on, on the mountain, and he was being tested, tempted there. Or also in Genesis, when, when Joseph was kidnapped, he was sold into slavery by his brothers and, and put in prison by, by Potiphar, he was being tested. His faith was being tested. And we might often think of tests and, and trials in life, like going through hard circumstances, maybe an illness or, or a lack of money and, and resources or difficult family issues or when a loved one dies. And those are certainly tests. You know, we're, we're being tested there. The question in these sorts of tests and trials is, will our faith persevere and prevail in the midst of difficulties? But then I often think that our faith is, is even more so being tested when things are good. When we have enough, when we have an abundance, when we have a life of ease, we're being tested and the question remains, are we going to trust in God or in stuff or in comfort? What do we do when we have an abundance? Are we generous? Do we, do we give? Are, are we generous? Or What do we do when we have a life of ease? Do we still pick up our cross and pour our lives out to serve God and to serve others? What, what do we do when we have a life of ease? We're being tried, we're being tested when these sorts of circumstances come our way. And really, in this sense, all of life is testing or, or trying us. The, the, the narrow type of temptation we talked about, the enticement to sin, that could be seen as a trial or a test. All temptation, no matter which category it falls into, it, it, it's a trial or a test. And now you might be wondering which type of temptation that Jesus is referring to here in the Lord's Prayer. Is it the narrow or the broad one? My answer would be yes. It, it's yes. This particular petition has been taught in both ways throughout church history. And the reality is, we're going to face temptations, you know, whether they be trials or tests or enticements to sin, we're going to be facing them constantly and continually in this life. Life is full of circumstances in which our faith is going to be tested and tried. And because of our sinful nature and the devil and the corruption of the world, life is full of enticement to sin. It's for this reason that we have to see that what we're asking for in the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer is not necessarily a request to never meet any sort of temptation. Rather, it's a request for deliverance from succumbing to the power of sin in the midst of temptation. Now, Origen, a, a third century theologian from Egypt, uh, pointed this out as an early reader of the Lord's Prayer. He once wrote this, Unless the Savior is bidding us to pray for impossible things, it seems to me worth inquiring how we are forbidden to pray that we do not enter into temptation, when the whole life of man upon the earth is a time of temptation. Let us therefore pray to be delivered from temptation, not by not, by not being tempted, for this is impossible, but by not being overcome when we are tempted. And an old Jewish prayer that Jesus would have been familiar with was, uh, and was likely summarizing, actually, in this request. It helps us understand it this way as well. It's a prayer that comes from the Talmud, and it goes like this. Lead my foot not into the power of sin, and bring me not into the power of iniquity, and not into the power of temptation, and not into the power of anything shameful. And so understanding the, the Lord's uh, prayer, that this particular petition in this way, is, is to say that what we're asking for is, is that we not be consumed or overcome when tempted. 
We're praying, don't let me fall or be pulled down into the power of sin when I am tempted. This is why Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane told the disciples in Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And we'll unpack that a little bit more in a little bit, but he, he knew temptation and testing and trial were coming for the disciples. And so he, he couldn't have been telling them, pray that this trial wouldn't come. Rather, he was telling them, pray in order to not be consumed by this temptation, by the power of sin in the midst of temptation. And praying in this way rightly appreciates the danger that we're constantly in as followers of Jesus. That no matter how comfortable or distracted or busy we are in any and all circumstances, whether trials or testing and being enticed to sin in good times and bad times in abundance and lack, we're in danger of being consumed by the power of sin and succumbing to evil. And Jesus said as much in what's often referred to as the parable of the sower. It's a parable found in three of the four Gospels in the New Testament. In the Gospel according to Luke, it's found in chapter 8. And this is what he says there, starting with verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. Now, that's not exactly clear what he's saying there. It's not supposed to be. Um, and so a few verses later, we see his disciples, who are a little unclear about what Jesus just taught, come, and they ask him for clarification, and he interprets the parable to them. And this is what he says, the seed is the word of God. The, the, the ones along the path are those who have heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. But these have no root, for they believe for a while and in a time of testing fall away. In a time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hear, hear the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. So, as we read this church, as we see these first three pictures and descriptions from Jesus here, I can't help but just think about how this is going to be true of some of us in this very room in, in the coming years. Some of us in this very room, the devil is going to come and steal the word from our hearts. Some of us in this very room, when we receive the word in our hearts because we have no depth of soil in times of testing and temptation, we will fall away. Some of us in this very room are, are going to be so consumed by riches and the cares and pleasures of life that we don't bear any fruit. Some of us are going to be taken out and will fall away. And some of you might be thinking, I thought this was like a reformed church and you don't believe that people can lose their salvation. I, listen, if your reformed theology doesn't fit with what Jesus just taught there, then you need to change your reformed theology. Some in this very room who identify themselves as followers of Jesus will not be reconciled 
to God. And when the last day comes, they will stand before his throne and they will not hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. You will rather hear, depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire for the, the, the fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And I don't share this to like try to scare us or like try to manipulate or anything like that. I, I, I share this because I want us to be sober about the danger of temptation. I want us to be sober about the danger of sin in our lives. We, we need to be sober about this. We are in danger. So we need to, to take heed of the words of the Apostle Paul. He said, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. We don't have the strength and the resolve and the goodness within us to withstand temptation and to not fall into sin. We're far too weak and far too sinful. If it were not for the grace of God, when being enticed to sin, we would give in every single time. If it were not for the grace of God, we would falter and have a lack of faith every single time. We are sin addicts, stuck in the mire, consumed in the mire of our sinfulness. And so our only hope is the rescue and deliverance from God himself. Therefore, Jesus teaches us here in this petition to run to him for our deliverance. Our corruption, our evil hearts, our sinfulness, our weakness will lead us to succumb to the danger and power of sin when tempted every single time. That's the bad news, but here's the good news. The good news is that we have a savior, we have a deliverer, we have a shepherd who is strong and mighty and capable. Jude, when he bursts out in worship in verse 24 of the book of Jude, he says, he is able he is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. He is able to lead you out of the power of sin when tempted. He is able to deliver you from evil. He is able to keep you from stumbling. He is able to present you blameless before his throne. And friends, the greatness of our weaknesses are nothing compared to the greatness of his power and strength. Our danger that we just spent time unpacking the first point, it's very real, very potent, very powerful, but it's no match for the power of God's deliverance. And so when you're tempted, when you're tried, when you're tested, you have a God that you can run to and he will deliver you. When, you, when the temptation to lust is too strong, you have a God that will deliver you from evil that will help you overcome when you're being hypnotized by the American dream and the consumerism and the comfort and the cares of life. You have a deliverer you can run to. When you're cowardly and afraid to share the gospel with your friend or neighbor, coworker, whoever, you have a God who is able to keep you from stumbling. You can run to him and he will deliver you. Listen to what the writer of the letter of Hebrews says in chapter 4. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. Listen to this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne 
of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so Jesus, who was tempted in every single way that we are, he remained steadfast. He did not succumb to the power of sin. Rather, he was obedient and righteous and good. And as the only one who was ever obedient, righteous, and good, he went to the cross to receive upon himself the wages that our sin requires. And he paid the debt for our sin so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to God. And then three days after his brutal crucifixion and murder, he was raised from the dead in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he ascended to heaven to be seated before the throne of God so that we would always have a high priest who sympathizes with us and knows our weaknesses, standing before God, our King, pleading for us, praying for us, reminding God of of the gift of his sacrifice for our sins that has been made and asking him to give us mercy and grace and help when we're in need and, and in temptation. And he sent the same spirit that rose him from the dead to fill our hearts so that we can be furnished and supplied with power and help to overcome temptation rather than being overcome by it. And so Jesus didn't just teach us to pray in this way. He also is the way to our God and Father so that we can pray and ask him to lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. And we have confidence now that he'll answer. We have confidence of that. The question is, will you run to him? Will you run to him for deliverance? Will you depend upon him as your deliverer? Listen to this story. It was once told by Charles Spurgeon. It was recently retold by Kent Hughes. History records the fate of two men who were condemned to die in the burning days of Queen Mary. One of them boasted very loudly to his companions of his confidence that he would stand firm at the stake. He did not mind the suffering. He was so grounded in the gospel that he knew he would never deny it. He said that he longed for the fatal morning where he would be burned at the stake, even as a bride does for her wedding. One of his companions in prison with him was a poor, trembling soul, and he was very open about his fear. He openly talked about how he was very much afraid of the fire. He had always been very sensitive to suffering, and he was in great dread that when he began to burn, that the pain might be too much and that it might cause him to deny the truth. He asked his friends to pray for him and spent time in very much weeping over his weakness and crying out to God for strength. The other man, the strong man, rebuked him and chided him for being so unbelieving and weak. When they both came to the stake, the one who had been so bold recanted at the sight of the fire and in shame went back to live the life of an apostate. But the poor trembling man whose prayer had been, lead me not into temptation, stood firm as a rock, praising and magnifying God as he was burnt to a cinder. We're not called to look within ourselves for deliverance. The strength is not there. We, we do not have the resolve to withstand the onslaught of temptation. We are called to look to our Redeemer and Savior and to depend upon Him for our deliverance from evil and for our strength in the midst of temptation. Friends, 
deliverance from evil is not found within us. It's found in our God and Father and in His gospel. That's why we're called to depend on Him in prayer. And so when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26, we see Him preparing Himself to face the greatest test the greatest trial, the greatest temptation of his life. He's about to be arrested and beaten and turned over to be flogged and crucified. And what is he doing to prepare here in Matthew 26? He's praying. He's praying. In his prayers, he's submitting to the will of God. He's he's asking for strength. He's depending upon his Father in prayer. And when he goes over to his disciples, he finds them sleeping. And he knows that he's not the only one who is about to be uh, tested and tried and, and enter into temptation here. But in a smaller way, they're going to be tested too. How are they going to respond when arrested? How are they going to answer when questioned? Are they going to remain steadfast and, and courageous and loyal? Are they, are they going to cower and, and flee for their lives and abandon Jesus? He knows that they don't have the ability to stand on their own. And so listen to what he tells them. Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. But rather than watching and praying, they slept. And when the temptations and tests came, they failed Watch and pray that you may not enter into, be consumed by, be overcome by temptation. Listen, church, uh, we, we, prayer is one of the chief means that God has given us to keep us from succumbing to temptation. Prayer is one of the chief means that God has given us to strengthen us to withstand the power of sin. Prayer is one of the chief means that God has given us to communicate his mercy and grace and help in time of need. I'll never forget seeing this one growing up. I grew up in a pastor's home because of this. uh, We we had many friends who were pastors and, and in the ministry. And one particular friend of my father's, he was in the ministry for years, very well respected, had a, a large following, large uh, following of his preaching and all that stuff that we care about. But it just so happened that he'd been living a secret life of moral infidelity for months. And the news came out, it was just incredibly tragic and, and unfortunate. It was devastating for many. And my dad has told me many times about when he got to speak with this man. And he just simply asked him, what happened? How did this happen? And this man told my father, it all started when I stopped being faithful in prayer. I stopped praying. It all started when I stopped watching and praying. It all started when I did not prayerfully arm myself and ready myself to face temptation. He did not have the strength and the power to withstand the onslaught of temptation that life threw his way. And Christian, let me tell you, you don't either. You don't have the strength and resolve to withstand the onslaught of temptation that you are going to face in life. And guys, there there are some of us in this room who haven't prayed for days or weeks, months, maybe even years. Or maybe you you do pray, but only at church and only with your, your small group. But you never make time for personal and private prayer. And I just want to warn you, if that's you, you are not depending upon your God and Father 
And, and you are not watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. You are far too weak. You will face temptation in life, and you will fail if you are not armed and furnished by the power of God, if you're not waiting on Him in prayer. You will succumb to the power of temptation. You will fall. You are far too weak, far too sinful, far too easily deceived to not watch and pray. Temptations, trials, tests are coming and you will fall away when they do if you're not running to God for your deliverance and depending on him in prayer. Christian, you must watch and pray. And so to close, just walking through a few practical points for us to walk away with this morning concerning how we can pray that we may not enter into temptation. I know for some of us in the room, we may not be avoiding prayer on purpose. We just have never done it. Maybe you're a new Christian and and you just haven't implemented the practice of regular prayer. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but just no one ever taught you how to pray, how to do this. Whatever the case may be, here's a few what, what I hope are helpful practices to implement. First, Schedule a certain amount of time for prayer. If you don't schedule it, it won't happen. If you don't set aside time for prayer, whether it be when you wake up in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening before bed, it won't happen. If you don't schedule a time for prayer, it won't happen. And make sure it's a certain amount of time. At first, it'll probably be short, like 10 minutes But as you continue the practice, add more and more time. Maybe the first week you pray for 10 minutes a day. And then the next week you you pray for 12 minutes a day. And then the next week you pray for 15 minutes a day. And you just add time as, as life goes on. Make sure you schedule a certain amount of time for prayer. Second, use the Bible and good prayer books for assistance in prayer. Sometimes you go to pray and and you just you're not quite sure what you should say. And that's that's all right. The scriptures and the church throughout history have given us words that we can use as a sort of launch pad for, for prayer. and that's, that's good. We have the entire book of Psalms in the Old Testament to pray from. It's a wonderful prayer book. We have the Lord's Prayer here that you can pray through. And, and based on each petition, pray each partic- petition in a particular way in your life. Uh, we have the Apostle Paul's prayers and his letters to the churches throughout the New Testament. You can get good books like the Valley of Vision, which is a good book of, of historical prayers. Or uh, uh, Another good one is Face to Face by Kenneth Boa. That's, a, that's a, a bit of a newer one. But those books have greatly assisted me in my prayer life. Use the Bible and good prayer books for assistance in prayer. And then third, pray with and confess to community. If you want to grow in prayer, a good way to do this is to pray with others. It will deepen your relationship with them. It will deepen your relationship with God significantly. And not only praying with your church community, but we we also want to confess sin to others as well. This is essential in strengthening us to not fall into the power of sin when tempted. Tell others about your struggles, your trials, your tests, your temptations in life. This is why we have cohorts. Um, cohorts to, to grow in resisting and overcoming sin when tempted. If you're not familiar with what cohorts are, they're smaller groups within our city groups. They're people of two, two to four people of the same gender who get together and confess sin and pray for one another. O- obeying James 5.16 where we're told to confess our sins to one another that we may be healed. Join a cohort and pray and resist sin together. Overcome temptation together. 
We do this because we need prayer and confession in order to resist sin and to be delivered from evil when tempted. So how you can pray that you may not enter into temptation is one, by scheduling a certain amount of time for, for prayer, praying with the assistance of the Bible and good prayer books, and by praying with and confessing sin to others. These are things you can implement this week. These are things you can implement today, even today. And it's necessary that you pray. Christians pray. If, if you don't pray, you're not a Christian. Christians pray. Make sure that you are watching and praying. Pray that you would hate sin, that you would have a spirit-empowered resolve to resist sin. Pray that would you, you would not be led into sin when tempted, but that you would be delivered from evil. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Pray for deliverance. You may not think that you have time. If you like look at social media or watch TV, you have time to pray. You have time to pray. I promise you that you do. Pray, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Let's do that now. Father, we need you. We're broken, we're weak, we're sinful, but you are not. You are beautiful and righteous and good and true, and you are powerful. And so we're very thankful that you've chosen to move toward us in Christ and to give us your presence and deliver us from evil. Lord, we ask that you would furnish us and supply us with strength to resist the devil and to flee from him, to resist sin when tempted, to be delivered from evil. Lord, we need you for that. We, we do not have the strength. We do not have the resolve to do it on our own. We're weak. Lord, we need you. Would you remind us of the danger that we're in and, and, and lead us to then run to you for deliverance and depend on you in prayer? Lord, would we run to you over and over and over again? Every new day, would you help us to run to you? Because we're, there, there's, there's, we're not going to make it if we don't run to you. If, if you're not our deliverer, we won't make it. We are weak and sinful, Lord. Would you lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. As we enter into this time,